I want to welcome you to our vignette today. It's going to be a continuing vignette, so it's going to be vignettes. We are going to be looking at the life of Joseph, and we're going to title this, God Meant It For Good, But It Didn't Feel Good. How did Joseph get to Egypt? Why was he sent there? Well, to study Joseph, we've got to go back a bit and see where he came from and how he got to where he was, what he came from, what kind of family did he come from. Um, you know, Genesis is a foundational book. It is pivotal to our understanding of what faith is or trust or belief. They're all the same words. What does that mean? We learn what this means in Genesis. We learn what it means uh, the God about the God who is, the one who calls and fulfills his promises. It's not going to be by works. Jacob had to learn that, Joseph's dad. Uh, Isaac and Jacob had to learn that it's not going to be man's choice doesn't matter who their favorites were. God has his plan. And it will work out exactly as God's decree has said. They don't know. They're just learning to trust. But trust they will. God promised not by their works. It's not going to be because they worked. Remember what Isaiah 64, 6 says? that our righteous deeds, all of our righteous deeds, are like a filthy garment. Literally, it's filthy menstrual rags, and you can't get more filthy than that. And no matter what we try to do to please God, they're like filthy menstrual rags to God in God's sight. It will not be by works. It is going to be by Him who calls and fulfills His promises and we learn that from the book of Genesis, and we learn so much about God and His world and His Word. Uh, we learn how the world was made. We learn how God made humanity. We learn so much how sin invaded our world through one man. We learn a lot. We learn that there is a plan of redemption afoot. And we see that in Genesis 3. It's just a tiny little uh, sentence, but it's huge. Its volumes have been written of this one who will come to save. But it's there in Genesis 3, after the fall. Genesis 3, God has a purpose of redemption. He has an unchangeable, unalterable, irrevocable plan his decrees. There is absolutely no accidents. God promised Abraham. He confirmed his promise to Isaac and to Jacob. He promised them a land, seed, and blessing. We in the church age, contrary to what some teach, do not get the Jews' blessings. We do not get their land. The church, the body of Christ benefits, but the Abrahamic covenant, we do not replace Israel.
do not, despite what some modern folks are saying, we do not. God's promise to his people from Genesis 12 all the way through the Bible is for his people. God does not speak with forked tongue. His decrees are unchangeable. They're unalterable. They're irrevocable. Look at Genesis 12 with me just real quickly. And God has reached down and he is going to work with one man. At this point, his name is Abram. And he is going to promise him. He says, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to a land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis is a book about redemption. It tells us that God has a plan and he is going to work it out for the blessings. See, in, in Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Ultimately, in Christ the Lord Jesus. Look Galatians 3.8. The scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, legally acquit, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, all the nations will be blessed in you. God, Genesis is a, a foundational book because we see snippets of what's God's going, what God will do. That his decrees are permanent. You cannot thwart God's plans or purposes. Look with me to Romans. Romans chapter 9. We're going to be looking at Joseph's story, but we got to lay some foundation here. Now, this is speaking, Romans is speaking of God's choice, his sovereign election. It's his right to choose whom he wishes to choose. And in Romans 9, we see this. Um, verse 9, let's see. Uh, For this is the word of promise. At this, at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 10. And not only this, but there was Rebekah also when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad so that God's purpose according to his choice shall stand not because of works but because of him who calls it was said to her the older will serve the younger God means what he says God means what he says so as we're studying Joseph we cannot study Joseph without looking at Jacob, his dad, and the promises that was given to Abraham and confirmed to Isaac and to Jacob. It's going to be very interesting about these promises and how Joseph sees them. Look at Romans 11, verse 28. 
from the standpoint of the gospel, they, Jews, are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved. That is, the Jews are God's loved ones. They're beloved for the sake of what? The fathers. Genesis is a pivotal, a very foundational book. It is very important for us to get it. Because if we miss Genesis, we're not going to understand the remainder of this book. Because God does not jettison those whom he's chosen. He brings forth, fulfills what he has promised. Look at Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He called Abraham. He called Isaac. Isaac was a unique born kid that was born to parents that were way old. 90 and 100 years old, his parents were. So he was a specially born kid. God did that. And God gave irrevocable promises, his call, and he will fulfill all of that. Now, isn't that good news for us? Now, this passage in Romans 11, 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, we can take secondary application from that. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? You were called then. And God is not going to revoke what you have. The Lord Jesus will never be taken from you. You will never be taken from the Lord. There is nothing, Jesus said, that can remove you from his hands. John 10. Nothing. Nothing. We're safe because we have been called. If we know Jesus as our Savior, God called us. And he will keep us. He will fulfill his promise to us. That's good news. See, we learn all this from Genesis because Genesis is a foundational book. We get our understanding what faith, trust, belief in the God who is and the one who calls and fulfills his promises. Well, we learn that God desires to have a relationship with mankind. A relationship. But you know what? They had to come his way. We have to come God's way, his prescribed way to come to him. Remember what Jesus said? No one no one comes to me. You remember? He's the one. He's life. He's, he is it. He's the gate. He's the shepherd. He's, he is it. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. Acts 4, there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. This is the only way. Not 10, 12, 15 ways to heaven. There's only one. And we come to God through Christ. Through Christ. That's the only way we get to God. We come His way, not our way. And the Jews had to learn that too. It wouldn't be them that made their own way. They would come to God in His way. Jacob, Joseph's dad, had to learn that too. It's going to be amazing. This man Joseph...
what he has to go through. But boy, he must have had tremendous faith. He absolutely did. It's always been by faith, by trust, by belief. You know, Abraham, what does it say about Abraham in Genesis 15? He believed God. Verse uh, 6, then he believed in the Lord. Well, we better read 5. And he took him outside. God took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens. Count the stars if you are able to count them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, then he believed in the Lord. He believed in the Lord. And he reckoned or accounted it to him as righteousness. As righteousness. He, God declared him not guilty. Not guilty. Look at Romans 4 uh, verse 3 if you wish. Declared him not guilty. He believed what God had said. And that's what we do. We believe what God has said. That God sent his son. John 3.16 if you can't remember anything else. God sent his son. God sent his son. His beloved one. That whosoever should believe on him. Not work. Not be good enough. Not to belong to a specific church. Or to give certain monies. Or anything else. Believe on Christ. On his son. It's always been by belief. It's always been by trust. Galatians, again, says what? Let's flip over there real quick. We're doing Bible study today. Bible study, verse uh, 6. Galatians 3, so, verse 6. Even so, Abraham believed God. He just simply believed what God said. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is of those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseen that God would justify, legally acquit the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. Verse 9. So then, those who are of faith, trust, belief, are blessed with Abraham the believer. So we see that there was a snapshot of uh, in Genesis 3 that God is going to, uh, that God has a plan to redeem sinful man. We see also where we just read that God beforehand preached the gospel to Abraham. And this will be ultimately Christ. So God speaks of redemption in Genesis. God has a plan. Genesis is an eyewitness account of God's message to humanity and that the Jews were to be his witness to the living God in a very dark, fractured, spiritually sin-sick, darkened world. He took the ones whom he had chosen right where he found them, as he does you and I. And then he moves them and us where he wants us to to be. And generally that involves pain. He puts us in the narrows. He closes doors. He boxes us in. 
and usually this involves pain. It sure did for Joseph. Isn't it wonderful how God is not thwarted by sin? He just uses sin and makes it makes it part of where he gets us to where we're, he wants us. He sure did, Joseph. Remember, his brothers were jealous of him, hated him, hated his guts, couldn't stand his voice, couldn't stand the sight of him. And God used all that sinfulness to push Joseph to where he wanted him. Why? Why did God do that? Well, look look at Genesis 15 with me for just a minute. You know what's so awesome about God's promises to these to his people? He didn't tell them everything that they would need to know. They had to walk by faith, didn't they? They had to walk by trust. Genesis 15, this is God cutting a contract with Abram. And he says Verse thir uh, verse uh, da, 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 let's let's start reading that um, verse thirteen. God said to Abram, "Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward." They will come out with many possessions. Hey, Abraham hadn't even had a, had a kid yet. And God's promised him uh, uh, offspring. Is, as You can't count the stars. That's how your descendants are. They're just going to be a huge amount of people. Where was this? God didn't tell him. God didn't tell him where he was going to take his descendants and where they would be slaves for 400 years. He didn't tell them. He didn't tell when, and he didn't tell where. He just said, you better believe it. You better know for certain this is what's going to happen, Abram. And Abraham just accepted it. God didn't tell Isaac either. Though he confirmed the prom the covenant that God had made with Abram, he confirmed it to Isaac as well as to Jacob. But he didn't tell him what, where, or when. He just confirmed it. Do you know where God's taking you? I doubt it. I, I know for certain that you don't know. You are just like me, just like Abram or anyone else. You do not know where God will take you. You don't have a clue. The only thing you know I know is where I am today. And I know in whom I have believed. And I know that there are purposes beyond my little, my little feeble mind that I can't even comprehend. All I know is that I am to yield my life, that I might be a blessing to someone and bring glory to the Lord. That's all I know. That's all you know, because the future is not ours to know. We don't know anything about our future. We have our plans. So did Jacob have his plans. So did Isaac have his plans. And none of it worked out, because it is God who calls. It is God's decrees. 
It is God's unchangeable, unalterable purpose and plan. And it's not going to be puny man. So Genesis gives us a snapshot picture of redemption. God's going to do something because of the fall. Satan won't win this one. He won't win it. He never will. So God, Genesis is an eyewitness account of God's message to humanity. The Jews were to be a witness. They bungled it up badly. But you see whom God begins with. He will finish with. And we see that in the kingdom as well as in Revelation. They will be re they these Jews will be witnesses. They will be witnesses because God's call and his gifts our gift is irrevocable. God uses time as well. God took his chosen ones where he found them and he moves us as he did them and usually involves pain as I've already said. Genesis is more than a history book or a history lesson of the Jewish people. It is a record. Genesis is a record of God's work on behalf of man. The redemption of mankind. He chose because he just chose to work in and through the fathers. That is, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Those are the men that he chose. God can do anything he wants to do. He is in charge. He is in charge. Now, I do know that we often think that we're in charge of our lives, but we're not. We're not. God's in charge, and it's He that we need to fear. It's He that we need. We need to obey Him. We need to love, adore, and Him. He's in charge. My husband used to say, God has never asked me, Mal, what would you like to have happen? No, we are servants. We are servants. And we need to stay in the position where God has called us. We're His. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We must not live for ourselves. We have a huge picture. We have the whole canon of Scripture before us, right here in our hands. 66 books. Our patriarchs and that we're looking at right now and Joseph, they had nothing like this. Boy, are we blessed. Boy, are we blessed. And hey, are you, do you stumble less than they did? I doubt it. We stumble differently. And we have all this, these, this living word that we can read and study. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to convict us of sin, to draw us to Him. And we're not in charge. And when we stumble and splat, that ought to give us a real good clue that we're out of His way. We're not walking in His way. We've walked in our own. He's going to get us to where He wants us to be, just like He did Joseph. But it's not going to feel good. God called Moses to write His story of redemption. 
his story of redemption. And when we study Genesis, we can rest assured that we are really reading and studying facts, not made-up stories. Remember uh, what 1 Peter says. Let's turn to 1 Peter real quickly. Let's turn to 1 Peter and let's see what it... Ah, I just flipped over Philippians. We'll, we'll stop there for just a second and camp out for just a minute. We were talking about whom God starts with, he finishes with. Philippians 1.6, Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, see, it's, it's God that will continue his work of grace in us. It's his work. We do good works because of what he's done for us. Even Ephesians says the works that we do are God-given, God-produced. We're just an empty vessel. We've just got to be like Abram, and God has called us, and we must follow. Though we have a whole bunch more information than Abram ever did. Um, we will look at... Um, well, we'll just look at 2 Timothy for a second. First, 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, speaking of the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a heavenly calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. From all eternity. So God has called you, he's called me, not according to our works. Our works are like the uh, Isaiah passage. They're filthy rags in his sight. No, he called us according to his purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So we see that, that it's not by works. Verse uh, 11, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. And he says... For this reason, I also suffer these things. Paul had suffering, right? But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That's what we do. That's what the patriarchs had to do. They were called according to God's purpose, and they walked out. They had to learn to walk out Walk it out. Walk it out. Verse, um, let's look at chapter 1 of First uh, Peter 21, 20, verse 20. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So when we read Genesis... We are reading fact, not fiction. So God has a purpose for you as well. It's the God who calls. It may not feel good getting there, but he takes it all and he uses it. He is the living God. He cannot lie, cannot change his mind, nor can he fail. Whom he begins with, he finishes with. And that is good news. Good news.
for us. Genesis is an exciting book. I'll see you next time when we're going to start the life of Joseph. God meant it for good, but it didn't feel good. This is Lacey Couch from my heart to yours.